This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald, editor of the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Deb? It's going great, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to sit down with you and talk because you have done a number of interviews in the last couple of months, but you and I haven't sat down and talked news in a while. No, we have not. I think the last time we were together, you were asking me if I had put away things for the winter. Right. And <laughs> so, so that was quite a while ago. Yes. We're now in winter. Yes. The reason I wanted to sit down and talk with you is because you handle so much of the news that's going on. Like you, you really have a good handle of things that are happening. When I sit down and talk with Miles uh, a couple weeks ago, him and I talked for 15 minutes about the Matrix movies and, <laughs> you know, just a little bit kind of different. So I, I wanted to catch up on some big stories that have been happening. We'll have kind of an update on where Pottawatomie Tower is right mm, now. Okay. This is, you know, a multi-year story that we've been following. As and, long as I've been here, yes. Yeah. Like I said, one of my first years here, I went up Pottawatomie Tower and then never again. So oh. like, I think 2017 was the last time it was open. It was. It was actually fall of 2017, but they didn't make the decision to say it really, 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 really is closed until 2018. Yeah, it was a soft close. It was a soft close on 2017, but so, I've never been up it, so... Well, and you, you may have an opportunity to. That's no, my I won't. I'm never? one of those people. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm afraid of heights. Oh. Yeah. So you haven't even gone up the new Eagle Tower? Well, you can walk up that. Is that so better? It's a, yes, because you don't, I don't see through those stairs, which is the thing that kind of freaks me out looking uh -huh. down when they say don't look down. But when you're walking upstairs, you know, you kind of have to look down. Right. So yes. Anyway, we can, we can. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll come to that, that after the break. So if you want to hear more about Pot Tower, stick around. But before we jump into that, I have a couple, a couple things that I wanted to talk about. First up is the Sturgeon Bay Farmer's Market. Mm. And it's going to be changing hands in a way, right? Yeah. So Destination Sturgeon Bay, they're going to take over running it. And it seems yeah. like a, a good fit because they're an events organization. Like they mm -hmm. put on events. So it, it seems like a good fit. Yes. Uh, but there's some challenges right? There's some challenges in doing this. So walk me through where the farmer's market was before and, and what the new plans are as they're starting to, you know, they're starting to come together. Sure. So the, the plans are actually still being formulated. So there is nothing completely decided, not even the decision to switch the management to Destination Sturgeon Bay. So it's been recommended at the committee level, but now it has to go to the Sturgeon Bay Common Council, which will decide whether or not it wants Destination Sturgeon Bay to take over the management. I can't imagine that they're going to say no to that. I think it's very much embraced by both the city and Destination Sturgeon Bay. Cameron Ehlers Kraturski is the executive director of Destination Search and Bay, and she's like really enthusiastic about, you know, what they might be able to do with this. But the interesting thing is I was looking, I was just doing some background information on farmers markets because, you know, once you start looking at one little thing, you go down the rabbit hole of let's go into the history of farmer's markets and how many farmer's markets are there in Wisconsin and who runs them? Yes, that was going to be my question because as, as you were talking about it, moving hands, I was like, well, whose hands does it start with? Yeah. Like, how do farmer's markets get started? Right. Well, I mean, farmer's markets, very few 
cities actually manage farmers markets, which I was judging by Sturgeon Bay's experience. I guess I'm not surprised by that because they're not a marketing organization and they say they don't really do any promotional events for it. They don't promote it. They don't have a full-time staff member or even one devoted part-time staff member to manage it. And you have all of these vendors convening in one place at one time for a few hours. And so you really do need somebody there who is overseeing the whole thing. But originally they started because it was a way to actually bring agricultural, you know, produce from local vegetable farmers to the communities where they lived. And it was a way to bring lower cost, healthy foods to lower income communities as well. So there were many different reasons for starting them, but they started really as collectives of producers and farmers. And then somebody said, hey, well, I'll manage. And some of them even turn into nonprofit organizations, but very few cities. I couldn't find a lot of cities, even though they say that it's vital to have local government support, whether it's through the you know, free space where they actually are holding it or, you know, contributing free parking or something like that. Walk me through the Sturgeon Bay Farmer's Market. So the town comes together and says, we want to do a farmer's market. We're going to open the space up. You can apply to be a vendor. Yeah. Well, right now the city has probably about a hundred people on a waiting list. But that goes back to 2012, and so maybe it's not as current. But the fact is that they do have a number of people who would like to get into the Sturgeon Bay Farmer's Market, but they cannot because they're maxed out right now. They used to take about 75 vendors, but during COVID, since they have to spread out and they have to do other distancing guidelines. They've only had 52 vendors, and they've stopped it at that. They haven't allowed daily vendors either. So sometimes somebody can't show up, and so they'll call one of the vendors that's on the sub list, or you know, a vendor will just show up and say, hey, can I sell for the day? You know, So there are different ways that they can you know, rotate vendors in and out, but they haven't done that with COVID. Right. Does that answer your question? I think you were going a little bit more into... Yes. So the city of Sturgeon Bay managed the farmer's market, correct? The city of Sturgeon Bay still does because the official decision doesn't come until September 15. At that point, the Common Council will decide whether it wants to transfer management to Destination Sturgeon Bay. So they would have to do that via some kind of a licensing program or something. But then Destination Sturgeon Bay would receive the revenue that's generated from the vendors who pay to actually sell their wares at that farmer's market. Right. And currently the city's receiving that revenue, right? They are, yes. And it's about $10,000 a year that they get. But over the past couple of years, it's been Josh Van Leeshout, who is the city administrator, said it's been kind of a break even because they, you know, have to space out the vendors and they can't get as many. And so the more vendors you have, the more you make, obviously. Right. So it's not a huge loss in revenue. About 10 grand, which it depends on, you know, when cities or towns or villages are talking about budgets, 10,000 can sometimes seem like 5 million the way they talk about it. (laughs) But then other times 10,000 is just eh. 
10,000. Sure. So where is the farmer's market right now? And what has been kind of said about where it might be in the future? Well, it's in Market Square, which is the parking lot for City Hall. So it's right at that juncture on Michigan, right at Michigan and 3rd Avenue, just about. So when this came up last week during the city's Park and Rec Committee, it came up there, there were some vendors there, and when Destination Sturgeon Bay released their plans, they indicated they wanted to move it to 3rd Avenue. That didn't sit well at all with the vendors, though they really liked the idea of it being managed by Destination Sturgeon Bay. They did not want it to be moved to 3rd Avenue, especially since it was so sudden and they had so many questions and they didn't know how that would work and they still don't. Right. I guess it makes sense to me because I'm assuming that the thought process was, well, they do the Under the Stars night market on 3rd Avenue. Right. Seems like a good proof of concept for the farmer's market. So why not just do it that way? Sure. And the vendors are saying, actually, there's a lot of logistics that might not work in that configuration for us. And then it becomes more of a discussion. And, And that's something that Destination Sturgeon Bay has said that they're going to listen to, right? And that's absolutely what's happening now is once the vendors expressed their concerns and indicated that they had a ton of questions, Destination Sturgeon Bay is going back and talking with vendors and they're taking a look at what they were thinking of doing and reconsidering that. And I guess compromise was the word there. So we won't really know what The plans are for the future. I mean, maybe it will be a transitionary period where they keep it where it is this year and then move it next year until they work out some of those things. We don't really know, but we'll know probably on February 15th when the Common Council takes it up. Got it. And what what is the timeline on the decision in terms of if it transfers over or not? Well, if it transfers over, then February 15 is when the council is supposed to be deciding whether or not they're going to take over the management. And so then they will be the managers of the event. Now, Destination Sturgeon Bay can then do what it wants to do as the manager of the event, but it would have to come back to the Common Council if they wanted to close the streets. So Third Avenue, they wanted to close, you know, between Oregon and Michigan. So they would have to present that to the Common Council again and get permission to proceed that way. So it wouldn't necessarily, it's not like people wouldn't know that there was going to be a change because there would be that public permission granting. Well, interesting. I I think that the farmer's market on Third Ave could be a really cool vibe for it. I'm going to be totally transparent. I actually didn't know where the Sturgeon Bay Farmer's Market was. Really? You've never been? No, I knew where all of the other ones were. That's the only one I didn't know about. It's a happening place. It it is the busiest one of all of the others. I mean, it's really, even during COVID, like I'm always surprised. I'm down there on a fairly regular basis on Saturdays and it's always very busy. So it has, you know, a real big selection of things. Like it's not, you know, just fruits and vegetables. It's got, you know, jewelry and plants and tie-dyed things and, you know, lots of crafts and art. Yeah. You know, even though we live so close to Sturgeon Bay now, my wife, Victoria, still goes to the Jacksonport Farmer's Market. Oh, no, that's on, when is that? Is it like a Tuesday? Well, that's during the week. Yes, I think it's Tuesdays. Okay. Um, But she is obsessed with cultured spread. Oh, cultured spread. Yeah. And that is? Cultured is, she's a woman who makes bread. Oh. And she makes all of these different 
types of like really hearty vegetable breads and stuff. Oh. Victoria picks up like a big loaf of that. And I'm lucky if I ever get any because it's usually gone by the time I get yeah, home. Yeah, I love bread. Yeah. <laughs> I think they had that at Bailey's Harbor too. I think I know that woman who yes, makes that yes. bread. Yes, she's, so. she's at Bailey's Harbor. I believe she was also at the kind of farm market-esque thing that they did at Heirloom Heirloom, as well. okay. Yep. Yeah, where they also have very good bread. Where I learned a really interesting factoid about sourdough bread. So I bought a loaf of sourdough bread and then they told me to, you know, if I freeze it, when I take it out of the freezer to run it under the water and then put it in the oven to thaw it out. Did it work? It works fantastic. What does the water do? I don't know. I don't know what the scientific reason is, but it's really effective. You just run it like very well under the water and then put it in the oven and it worked. I just followed directions. All right. Well, I will keep that. <laughs> okay. I'll keep that in mind for the next time I am thawing sourdough bread. <laughs> okay. Before we take our break, let's talk a little bit about ARPA money. Okay. So ARPA is the American Rescue, Rescue Plan. Act. What's the A? Act. Yes. And uh, Door County is going to be getting some money from this fund, and it's going to delegate that money to a number of different things. So walk me through the amount of money that Door County is getting and then some of the things that it could be used for. Okay. And the American Rescue Plan Act delivers money. It is the COVID portion of the package and delivers it to every municipality. So it's based upon population. Door County's slice of that is about $5.3 million. And there are a number of different ways that a municipality or a county can spend the money. So that's what the County of Door is, is embroiled in right now. They're taking a look at, you know, different ways they could use those funds and make a difference in some, you know, really big problem areas up here. Yeah, so like a water park, right? Is that <laughs> yeah, one you know, of the ideas? We need water. We need water sports because, you know, we're kind of a dry county, aren't we? So we would need yeah. something like a water park. Well, there's, there's a lot of water stuff to do on the coasts. Yeah, on but, the coast. Yeah, yeah but, but not, not inland, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just go right in the middle of the peninsula for a water park. Yes. <laughs> no, so what, what are some of the ways that the money is looking at being spent now and, and what could it really do for the county moving forward? Right. Well, what they're considering, they have a short list of projects. And the first night they had a public hearing and people could come and indicate what they would like the county to spend the money on. And so there were a number of people asking for money for their nonprofit organizations. I remember coming out of that meeting and just feeling, wow, there's so much need. You know, there was people from HELP there, you know, talking about domestic violence in the county and how COVID has only exacerbated that the way so many things have been exacerbated by COVID. And, you know, lots of elderly services now, you know, home care is going to be a huge thing. So there was, you know, people stepping up and talking about what it is that they needed and what it is that they're doing. And so there was like this dual feeling I had of, oh my gosh, there's so much need up here, but wow, look at what people do every day. You know, these people just start these nonprofits to fill a need. And anyway, so there are those things. There are the nonprofits who could receive some of this money, but really what the county is looking at right now is ways that it can put the money to work 
immediately. And so, for instance, they've already approved a broadband coordinator. That means they're going to hire somebody with, with the funds for three years and pay that person to coordinate what they want to do, which is to bring fiber to all premises in Dora County. So that person would coordinate grants and that kind of thing. And then there's the $3.2 million that United Way of Door County got for child care. Well, they want to put some of the money toward hiring somebody for United Way of Door County to administer additional programs to leverage those dollars that they got. And that person would, you know, also administer the grant that they received. So they want to do something like that. They are talking about buying a building and creating a transitional home for sober living. So right now what they do is send people away who have drug and alcohol abuse problems. If they go to a residential treatment facility, say for 30 days, there is no place for them to go when they get back to practice that sober living. So they want to have a facility where they can actually allow people to practice that, to still work, you know, to live in a supportive environment. So they're looking at that. That received a lot of traction in terms of people being interested, you know, in the concept. There are other things like smaller things like invasive species control and uh, training purposes for emergency services workers. So, you know, there's just a number of places where they could put the money and they're still deciding this. Right. And we have a we have a bigger list of the places that are being designated online at Dork Yes, we do. Yeah. So visit that story and you can see all of the things that they're looking at. And their next meeting is February 16. That's the finance committee. And that's the committee that's actually going to be looking at taking a first first go at these things. Right. When I, when I think about the issues that Door County faces, I always think about childcare, internet, housing, Mm. Those ones being kind of the big three for me. Sure. And it sounds like all three of them have have some funding. They do. There's that, another, there's a housing component in there as well. So there is one program that they would be considering. You're right. They're trying to really put this money towards those things that we all know are very big issues up here. Right. And of course, this money doesn't solve any of those issues, but it does help. And it does, uh, like you said, hiring a broadband coordinator, mm-hmm. that's that doesn't give us broadband, but it does get us moving in that direction. Right. Which is good. Sure. It, it doesn't stop the process. I mean, right now they kind of have some momentum going because of the assessment that was just done and how that lays out, you know, the path toward that. So they want to keep that momentum going. And in order to do that, you need to delegate that to somebody who can just put their full time into it. Right. So if you want to check out more specifics about the money and and who's getting what and what could be possible with it, check out the full list on doorcountypulse.com. And then we will have updates as this continues to move forward. The timeline on it is is actually a lot longer than I thought. I think it's like they have to be delegated by the end of 2024 yes and then used by 2026 correct so they need to obligate the funds by 2024 yeah and then use them up by 2026 got it yes so speaking of long timelines we're going to take a break and then when we come back we're going to talk about potawatomi tower yay and how far it's come and and where we might be going and and how long until you have to climb it (laughs) this episode of the door county pulse podcast is brought to you in part by door county medical center Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. 
For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Okay, we are back. So Potawatomi Tower, like we talked about earlier, kind of closed in 2017, 2018. Yes. And in the meantime, Eagle Tower closed, was torn down, and mm-hmm. rebuilt in a considerably different way. Yes. And the question was, what do we do with Potawatomi Tower? Do you go the same route? Do you have the money to go the same route? Do you do a different thing? There were multiple different designs for Eagle Tower that were proposed, and the kind of canopy walk ramp was the one that was selected, but there was an elevator version mm-hmm. that was more expensive. You know, so this question of, you know, do we repair it in place? Do we tear it down? ADA accessibility, all of this stuff has been going on for years and years now. Walk me through the progress in like the last year. Okay. I'd like to say that there's, you know, progress and there is to a certain extent progress. It's kind of interesting because people are always comparing it to Eagle Tower, right? But I think that what people do need to remember is that Eagle Tower was in a completely different state of disrepair. It could not be saved. Potawatomi Tower is a different tower. It is not the same thing. It's not in the same state of disrepair. And there has been a professional wood engineer who has indicated 80% of this tower is okay. So that's where I think the controversy comes with this particular tower. And why the comparison, I think, from the beginning is probably off. So I wasn't here with Eagle Tower. I've just read the reports and what they said about that tower. So who knows? Maybe it wasn't completely ready to fall down, but that's certainly what it made it sound like. So anyway, the most recent thing that has happened with Potawatomi Tower is the Department of Natural Resources has held a public hearing. They held that hearing last week to take comments and feedback from the public on what to do with the tower. This public comment period lasts until February. So there is also an opportunity for people to write or call in to let them know what they think should be done with the tower. So during this public comment period last week, about 68 people is what I, you know, kind of saw as a high on the virtual chat area. And about 25 people spoke And the majority of those people reiterated how much they want to see the tower saved. There were a handful of people who wanted the tower to be repaired and made ADA accessible and that it should not be done without that. They were in the minority on that, you know, on that opinion. And it's something that the city of Sturgeon Bay, the county of Door, the Door County Historical Society, the Friends of Potawatomi State Park, the Town of Nassawapi, Destination Door County, and the Door County Economic Development Corporation have all written letters indicating that they want them to repair the tower. So it's an historic tower. It's on the state and national registers. 
and that should give it some added protection. But I think the people who are working to save it, which is the Sturgeon Bay Historical Society Foundation, are, are not finding that those protections are as strong as they thought that they might be. Right. So the, the future is still in flux, but the DNR is listening. Yes, which is, you know, I mean, and that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing that they're having this comment period and they're taking this information. And I don't know, nobody knows what it is that they're going to do with it, but it is a good thing. It has been over the past year that these letters have been provided to them and local legislators, Representative Joel Kitchens and Senator Andre Jacques, they have certainly gone to bat for the tower over and over again in different ways. So I don't think that it is something that Madison isn't aware that there is support for the tower. So I guess that's why it's frustrating because it's kind of, you know, we don't really know why it's not being fixed. Right. And is it one of those things where the DNR wanted to take it down and then there was opposition trying to keep it up and that's why it's been so long just kind of staying in the way that it is? Is that how it worked out? Well, yes. I mean, and so the DNR decided that it was going to tear it down. There was a report done that showed that it was beyond repair and so that they were going to demolish it. And that's when the other report was done by the Sturgeon Bay Historical Society Foundation, which showed that it could be repaired in place. And then the Department of Administration did another report to look at that report and compare it with the original report. So that report also said that the tower could be repaired, but it had a difference of opinion in terms of how much repair was required. So after they did that report, that's when the DNR said, you know what, we think that this can't be repaired and we're going to tear it down. So what what's the next steps in this? The, the DNR is listening. Mm-hmm. And then do they make a decision or do they decide to move forward in some way? Well, what needs to happen is uh, after the DNR goes through this period, There needs to be documents that are prepared so that there can be a bid put together. The building commission, the state building commission, is the one that would authorize the project if that were to happen, but it does need to get those, you know, biddable documents to be able to have a viable project. There are already stamped conceptual plans that they have, so they could, you know, decide to prepare those documents to get the actual construction or repair of the project going. Sure. But there's, there's still a chance that after this listening period, the DNR could say, actually, we still want to take it down. Yes, okay. they could. And hopefully something will come from this. And ostensibly, that's why they're doing it, right? They want to gather more information so that they know, you know, a clearer path forward. Right. And I I suppose that is kind of a double-sided sword for you, because if they do save it, eventually you will have to climb it. (laughs) You've been been reporting on it this whole time. Eventually, they're going to do the ribbon cutting. They're going to want you to be there. They're going to have you go up there. It's just not going to happen. I am not ever going to be able to see the view from the top of that tower. And I'm okay with that. What if they do an elevator? Can you do an elevator? I could, you know, I really don't like elevators either. But I think if it were an open elevator, it might be okay. okay. So I'd love to fly. I mean, I love being in the air, but just not, I guess, 
climbing stairs in the air. Right. So, yes. I get it. I mean, I've anytime that I'm up on like rooftops, I get really mm. uneasy, even though I know there's no way I could fall. Mm-hmm. I still definitely am like, okay, this is. Yeah. Yeah. Even the one, um, where is it? Ellison Bluff Park. You know that ramp that goes out over the water? Have yeah. you ever been to that one? Yep. I, I can't even climb all the I can't even walk all the way out to the end of that. Yeah. And that's like a really short distance. You spent some time in Minneapolis or in Minnesota. Did you ever get to the Guthrie Theater? I did not, no. So no. Guthrie Theater is a big theater right in Minneapolis. And they have this really cool, uh, they, have, they have two things that are really neat. One of them is called an endless bridge. And it's just a platform that juts out over the expanse. And it has no supports because it doesn't need it. It just, it's a big solid slab of concrete that's strong enough to just be a platform with no. Oh my gosh. That's really cool. Yeah, really cool. That is not anything I would ever, ever go out on. Well, cooler than that is on the top of the Guthrie, they have this big glass room with this yellow glass. So you're just in this big yellow room. You can look out and get like a 360 degree look of the city. But they also have huge portions of the floor that are just glass. So you just look down at the ground below and you're like, I don't know. And how many feet down is that? A couple like hundred feet. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So you yeah. just, no that's the part that's hard for me. Like I have stood on that glass, but it is always scary. It's, it's yeah. very, very thick glass. Nobody's going to go through it, but to see? like stand and look and just see. It's the looking down part. Don't look down. That's what they always say. Well, right. the easiest way to not look down is to not go up. I suppose <laughs> we could get you like a cone. A cone? Yeah. One wear. of those dog collar Yeah, get cones? you a dog yes. cone and then you can't look down. <laughs> yeah, there you and go. You should be good to go. And then I'll trip and fall over the railing to my death, which is, you know, obviously the primal fear that's in my subconscious. Right. Okay, so maybe not a cone, but what about like uh, horse blinders? Horse blinders. All right. Well, there I go. Up. No, I, I, can le- I can hear about the view from other people and, you know, I can see it from ground level. I think it's, you know, beautiful. So, and I've seen it from an airplane. Well, there you go. Yeah. So I'm good. Is there anything else on Potawatomi Tower or anything else that we haven't talked about that people should know? Well, there are lots of things, but we'll keep it at that for this time, I think. Deb, thank you so much for coming on. I always look forward to chatting with you. I do have one question for you. Shoot. Where do we get our music for this podcast? Because it's just so jaunty. Yeah. It actually sounds like an older song. So, And I always get that from older listeners who are like, how'd you get the rights to do that song? It's not that song. It just sounds like it. My dad famously was like oh i love that you put that song as the beginning and i was like i don't know what that song is it's very retro it's it's very cool yeah it's from a music licensor called artlist and they do sound effects music stock video all sorts of stuff peninsula filmworks use them for a lot of their music and that's where we got this yeah well it's very cool well deb thank you for coming on and i look forward to chatting with you again soon thanks for having me andrew Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.